welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. But anyway, I've been talking to us. Oh, yeah, that without God's deposit, pre-deposited amount of faith, we couldn't come to know him. So, you know, one of the things I said the other day is that we live and we do a lot of things in life by faith. We just may not realize it. It might be fun exercise for you to be thinking about how much faith it takes for you to just live. And remember what I was saying was that that since faith's tests come from obedience, then it's it's good to sort of log what kind of experiencing experiences you're having with faith. And I'm saying all that to say that I spent I had a I was on the struggle bus for a couple of days and um, and uh, I felt all alone. No, I'm just kidding. And have you ever been on the struggle bus? And I, when I went out to my car this morning, I was just telling Papa that I didn't know what I was going to talk about. And I felt, it was early this morning, but, um, you know, the last two nights has been this rainstorm and I don't sleep much during storms. And so did y'all know it stormed during the night the last two? Who has no idea that it stormed horrifically during the night the last? Yeah, it did. Thundered lightning the whole bit. Um, anyway, and so when I walked out to my car this morning, he said, but you wanted to increase your faith, right? And I wanted to say, well, yeah, but just not where I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Not to the uncomfortable stage. Because, you know, it's, you know, 6.30. I don't have a lot of time to prepare between now and then. And I like to be prepared. I like to have my ducks in a row. But, you know, every time that God wants to increase something in our lives, think about it for a minute. He either has to get rid of something. Right? Cause it's cause he's trying to expand, you know, in real estate in New York, they purchase the air. They can build in almost to infinity if they knew how, you know, they can purchase a real estate that isn't land that the air rights. And why is because it's real crowded and so people want to live there. And so it's just going up. So let's use that analogy that if you were unaware that you had purchased the air as well in this real estate deal, then you would be limited in your square footage of expansion, even though you own the rights. So did how many knew that you could purchase air in New York? Just one person, two people, three people, four people, maybe five people. Okay, we'll see. So it's that way with faith. So part of 
our reason for being on earth is to see how the kingdom of God can expand through me. Agreed? There's an expansion needed. And so when God comes to expand us, something's going to change. Right? A lot of times that the beginning of that change comes when someone comes to you and says, I don't know if you know this, but like you've been having bad breath. Right? They come to you and say, hey, I don't know this, but you've been happening on me. Like, I don't know. I'm not for sure why we're nervous about that. Are y'all nervous? I know some of y'all are nervous about that. Don't shake your head no. I know you're nervous. So think about it just for a minute. If God's going to expand me, everybody wants to expand, right? I guess maybe we should start there. Maybe we don't want to all expand, right? I want to expand. And so that that means that something's small in me. Maybe the only thing small in me is my ability to just even hear feedback. Maybe that maybe that's only about this big. Maybe someone can only say, you know, you look nice today. They can't ever say, hey, anything that would be constructively shaping. Let's just instead of calling it criticism, let's just call it constructive shaping. Right? Because of expand are you with me at all? Yeah. So if my capacity to hear how I'm how I'm happening is small, then remember what I've been saying for weeks on end. If I come to you, and I'm not going to, but if I did, and I wanted to have a conversation with you, let me let me just say it in another way. I can say we are, I can tell we're going to get hitched there. Um, so the worship team, I've been talking to them. For a long time, I've been coming up here. I don't know if y'all know this, but every Tuesday night, and I've been talking to them about expansion. The expansion wasn't adding more members to the team. The expansion was their unity. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've hit sort of a new place the last few weeks. And but it's been something we've been building. They've been they. It's been happening. And so, but what happened? was I had to say, that doesn't work, that does work. Everybody, and then I would have to say, but the goal is to just follow the Holy Spirit. So even the conversation I'm having with you right now, you have to forget it to flow with the Holy Spirit. But it was just a tweak to say, hey, do you see how that doesn't work? Right? Right? Why? Because I can see, I can feel, I have a vision for the more. Okay, and so when you have a vision for your own life, it has to start there. When I have a vision for my own life, and then I stir that with him well, as he brings information to me, I either cut it off, or I release it, or I embrace it, whichever way you are. You know, if you're really, remember, we've got the valley that he's trying to fill up, and we've got the mountain he's trying to bring down. That's constantly going on. Have you ever noticed that one day where you're really insecure becomes a comfort zone, and then that day's got to get whittled down? You're like, well, I just thought I just got that thing built up. Have you been there yet? Okay. So that will keep going on. Why? I believe it goes on because people are changing. And so I have to I have to not just be 
Um, I just, I have to know more than just this one lane, this one trick pony is how I always call it. I just have to know more. I have to know who I'm going to be talking to and what kind of stuff they've got going on. And, and my interaction with people proves how much I have my love on. That's really what it's about is how well can I love all the time? Can you turn that off of me? How well can I love all the time? Right? So... He's constantly increasing all these things in us. So he's constantly, so he has, so faith is one of those things needed for everything. Yeah. Right? Let's read a couple of fun scriptures today to start out with. I was reading this, um, story in John. Well, let's talk about first. Let me read this first. First Corinthians 1 18. Let's start there in the passion to preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us, who's the S believers to us who are being saved, it's the mighty power of God released within us. Does that make sense? So that's why it's really important that our message to someone who doesn't know God isn't too deep supernaturally. Because they're just plain not going to get it. He can try. You know, have you ever gone to somebody and tried to tell them of a really cool... Like if you would take that message from Wednesday night and you just throw that out there on anybody... You know, then they'll be looking at you like, because why? Because there's a block because salvation is the open door to all revelation. Because to, to be saved, I first have to believe and I have to surrender. I think it's kind of a cool gig that God did, that he didn't just give all the stuff to any old person that wants it, because that's why he talked in parables, remember? Because he was hiding information that only a heart that was after him could hear. I do love that about God. I don't know if you love that about God. So that's why there's always got to be a beginning. Otherwise, it would just be an equal playing field for unbelief or belief to go on all the time, and then that can't happen. So listen to this. It says, For it's written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise. And I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. Do you like that? He says in the commentary that Paul is quoting Isaiah 29 as a warning against leaning upon human wisdom to understand spiritual matters. True wisdom comes from above and is given by divine revelation to those who are teachable and humble before God. So there's another way to understand faith. My faith has to expand. It's dying to expand. There's already this little measure in there. The measure needed to believe God and move mountains is already in there. The courage to move a mountain comes from experience. Experience with faith. That's why in Revelations it says that that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, which that means we were saved, right? But the second reason is our story. See, that's why it's so important to know the story you're going to tell. I love, 
I heard somebody the other day, I'm not going to mention who they are so I don't have to edit it, but I heard somebody tell me a story the other day. This sounds so much better, doesn't it? See, that's why I want to tell everybody's story is because you have to understand someone told somebody their story the other day. They went to somebody and they said, I used to be on this medication. I used to suffer from this thing and I used to suffer from this thing and this and this. All this stuff happened to me, but God. But I found a place that believed in miracles. I found a place that believed I could be different. And their story prompted this person to say, I've got, I was talking to them too, I've got this feeling all over my body. Why? Because it's the blood and the testimony that's interacting with that person's unbelief. Unbelief can't stay housed in there. I love this. It says, this is verse 21, I'm still in 1 Corinthians 1. Um, For in his wisdom, God designed. Say designed. designed. That means it's on purpose. He wasn't just like, oh, random. <laughs> I just made these humans, they just popped out like Aaron and the calf, right? God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient To lead people to the discovery of himself. That's why if we're just trying to use clever things. You know know how when you have that unexpected intimidation from someone who had their unbelief is stronger than your belief. Did you hear me? When their unbelief, their position in life is stronger than your story, than your testimony, than what you believe. So you don't want to offend them right so you withhold right y'all you know what i'm talking about he said he took great delight this is god this is the loving god right here he took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross i love this it says the foolishness of preaching see that's to those who don't know him you sitting in here in a room is foolish. You could be at Walmart right now getting you some groceries. You could be watching the game on TV. Why are you sitting in here for four hours on Sunday? It's foolishness. It says it's not the act of preaching, but the content of what is preached that brings salvation to those who believe. So, so he took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. Don't you love that? So that was, that's kind of God's MO, is that he's trying to dismantle the wisdom of the wise, the worldly wise. He's trying to invalidate the intelligence of scholars, he designed something that all the world's wisdom combined would be insufficient. That's what we're working with here. I love that. Do you all love that? So when I was writing um, a little bit this morning, I was thinking about this story in John 6. I I want us to turn there. John 6 is... It's the rest of the story, I believe, about um, whenever the, the fig tree thing. 
I believe. I didn't write down the verse. Let me see where the fig tree is. Hold on. I think it's on down. There it is. Um, so remember, he was hungry. That was verse 12. Do you remember that? I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. And, and he cursed the fig tree, right? So you jump on down to 20. And it says, in the morning, they passed by the fig tree that Jesus spoke to. Remember that? Do y'all remember that story? Anybody remember that story? And it was completely withered up from the root. And Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, the fig tree, excuse me, you cursed, is now all shriveled up and dead. <laughs> now, the, it, Jesus has such a funny reply here. He says, let the faith of God be in you. I don't know. I feel like that's a funny response, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. This fig tree's all shriveled up, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just, loving Jesus, just throws out that little handful on purpose right there. And I love it. He says, let the faith of God be in you. In the uh, Passion Translation commentary, he says, the God-like faith. And so this is what he said. Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and doesn't doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. And so what I did was I looked up that word belief and I actually has have this interesting little bit of study I want to share with you. There's that believe word is the word I've been talking about. It's P-I-S-T-E-U-O, some, some, some sort of Greek word, right? But it's, it's the Greek word for believe. And this is what it means. It says to think to be true, to be so persuaded of, but to place complete confidence in. It says to trust in God to be able to either help or obtain whatever I'm doing. And the little footnote under that said intellectual faith. And so when I was talking to him about that today, it was interesting because he said that faith produces evidence to be analyzed for future expansion. That's why it's so important to begin to realize how much faith you really have that's in operation. Okay? See, one of the things I think we came from, didn't we come from, some of us came from a place where we weren't for sure God wanted to do stuff, right? That's why we sang those songs. Back then, we sang those songs. Get me a mansion in heaven by the still waters. That's what we sang back then. I'll fly away. Bye-bye. See you when you get here, right? Make me a little shack. Next to the gates of heaven. We just had all kinds of weird songs like that. Take me to higher ground. Does anybody remember those 
And so we were singing about what we knew. We didn't know much, right? We were like, get us out of here. This is dangerous down here. And then all of a sudden we came, we began to come to this realization, maybe we're not for a hot minute about to get out of here. Maybe we were meant to do, because then we started reading scriptures. We're like, he's going to reward us for the works that we did like him. And we're like, reward? Oh, that just, that perked our interest now. We're like, wait, what? There's something here that's worth working for. I don't know, right? It's interesting because that verse in John, it says, this is the work of God. The work of God. They said, what, what do we need to do for God? He said, this is the work of God. You can read it, John 6 on down. This is the work of God that you believe. That you have faith. It says that you adhere to, trust, rely on, have faith in the one whom he sent. That's the work. That begins my ministry work on earth is that I believe. You see, that's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I sing about just getting out of here, when I talk about just getting out of here, right? Like we wanted everybody to be saved so they didn't go to the hot place when we got out of here. That was our limited faith. And we exercised that every day because when, when they would preach, we would run down to the altar and we would repent. We would try to think of everything we could think of. We had done wrong. Oh, I remember I just, gosh, I hated that person today. I just didn't want to be around them. You know, that person at the restaurant made me mad. They made me pay early. I mean, it's just all kinds of random stuff we were repenting for, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so now we're realizing, oh, this faith was actually meant to be used for something a little greater, like I said Wednesday night, than just saying, I hope I have enough faith for this fear not to take me over. That's the same story of, of being get, getting out of here. It's the same exact story. It's just different language. It's the same thing. Fear is almost equal. I don't know. One day faith may win. One day fear may win. I hope I'm just bad. This is all I'm doing. Back and forth. It's the same thing. So, of course, I would naturally start singing songs about get me out of here because I'm tired. Like I said Wednesday, the battle comes because I'm questionable on what I believe. Yeah. Every place I'm 100% confident, he can't touch me. Yes. Just that, try really hard right now. Think of one place you're 100% confident on that the enemy can't touch you. Just think about it. And think, he wants to expand that to other parts of your mind that you're not that confident in. So see, some of y'all are pretty confident that he wants to heal. But are we equally confident he wants to use me? You. Are you equally? See, when you have one bit of doubt right there, you're praying out of a hopeful thing that maybe he'll use you. You're not confident. So, you, so he has to set up an opportunity for that to be, become confident. And he's just good that way. Because why? He wants you to be successful. When you pray for something, He wants to answer it. But see, if I don't know His will, I don't know Him, I can't pray something He can answer because He can't answer something against Himself. Make sense? Okay. So, this intellectual faith, I made a little equation. I actually made one tiny little slide for you today. This is, this is what he told me this morning. It comes from another little, um, 
It's a, he told me intellectual faith is the constant abiding faith. This intellectual faith, we're just going to call it if. It's the if. Are you with me? It's the if. It's the if to this equation. If I had, do I have this kind of faith plus God's power means absolutely amazing results. I'm going to read you a scripture about it. Mark 11, verse 22, it says, Jesus said, have faith in God constantly. And he said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says this mountain, it's one I just read, but in Mark 11, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt. The commentary says this, Jesus used this moment. What was the moment? The fig tree. To emphasize to the disciple that a person's confident, abiding faith combined with God's power can produce absolutely amazing results if the request is in harmony with God's will. Why was cursing the fig tree in harmony with God's will? See, this is, this is the crux, is that we have to learn how God thinks. We have a lot of ways that we think, and we shoot those prayers out, just don't we? Rapid fire. Right? See, when we learn what he thinks, remember what I was proposing to you, what was going on with the fig tree? It was a false representation. Do you believe that God wants false representations of things to come down? I mean, it's going on right now in the world. Do you know that there is going to be the great exposure, if you will, that's coming? I mean, it's coming. There's just going to be more and more revealed. Why? Because God set it up this way. It, like everybody thinks this political thing that's happening was just God was just like he just gave up and said, oh, well. Right? So he said, if the request is in harmony with God's will... That's why it's so important, why we've been talking about the word so much. My knowledge of how he thinks comes through the example of Jesus, how he lived, right? So Jesus did different things and different functions. It wasn't the story of the chosen, okay? It's a good story, but, you know, it's just a story. Don't use that as your Bible, okay? It's, and so what he wants us to do is he wants us to learn the word and learn the examples of Jesus to what? To do that and more. Yeah. So what Jesus was doing with the fig tree, he was demonstrating to them. I mean, do you not think that Jesus went right by that road again on purpose? It didn't take 10 years for that to dry up. Right? We, they walk by it again to see the demonstration of what his faith did. Jesus knew if he said to something that wasn't an authentic representation of what it was displaying. Remember I said that it was displaying I got fruit. Translate that parable. It was just a parable. I don't see any need for you to go curse some fig trees today. To practice this. But what's your fig tree? In you. Is there anything that's not an authentic representation in you? 
Use your faith to say to it, dry up. Why? So something else can be produced. You're tending it and nurturing it, and he wants it to dry up. It says, God is fully capable. This is still the little commentary of Mark eleven twenty three. God is fully capable of doing that which man regards as impossible. But see, it's an equation. Right? Remember, it's the yes and amen. There's his part, always my part, equals something amazing, something impossible. We have to realize my faith is meant to be used on impossible things. And remember in Matthew 6.33, he says that he'll, if you seek first the kingdom, he'll add all the stuff to you, right? See, I, I propose to you, we use our faith to try to obtain things as opposed to using our faith to obey things. So let's, let's try to use this parable and translate it into this known area we want. We want to exercise healing, right? So how can I translate that? How can I be obedient when I pray for people as opposed to just asking him to heal them? How can I be obedient when I see someone, I hear someone that has sickness? Right? I may, he may ask me to do something weird. He may ask me to do something out of my comfort zone. Or I can just be like, oh, I know you want to heal him. That's a no-brainer. Right? We're not working on that anymore. Do you remember when you were working on that part? Does anybody remember the day where you weren't weren't 100? You weren't 100. That God wanted people, maybe he wanted them to be sick. Right? Remember that day? That feels so insane to me right now. Does it to you? Why would God, right? Same way with what we just learned about the book of Revelation. Why would God put a scary version in the back? Right? So so we misinterpreted that book. Right? Do we agree? So it's the same thing. I want to use my faith the way he meant for me to use it. My faith was meant to know his will and simply say what's going to happen. And it happens. And then I build a history. And then that's intellectual faith. See, we grew up in church where we just prayed anything. And then because God didn't answer it, we said this about God. We said, he doesn't hear me. Or he doesn't want to do it. Another thing that sounds really insane right now, right? So see, how many places can I go curse that old fig tree that's taking up space in my orchard that isn't producing anything good? Let's turn to uh, 
another place, shall we? I've got so many scriptures, I'm excited. Let's look at Colossians 1 real quick. I don't have time to read all this. Y'all read it, okay? Um, verse 5, your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. What does it say right there? Faith and love rise as you access. How do you access, access them? So you got riches in heaven. All the goods or all the legs you need, all the healed livers, all the pancreases that you need, there's in a, they're in a storehouse waiting for you to access. Do you believe that? Yes. They're waiting for you to access them. So when you run on to somebody, that by whatever means the devil wanted to use, got cancer in their pancreas, you have access, so it says, your faith and love, they have to be combined. Wow. Yeah. You know, in this book, you're learning how much, how much he focuses on how much God loves somebody. Yeah. I propose to you, part of the reason we don't, we see fun healings around here, but why we don't see more, because we we're making a shift from, I want to be a healer to feel good about that I have a gift. Yeah. See, that's, you need to curse that, that's old fig tree. Yeah. To how much does he love this person? Yeah. Is my faith strong enough to go get that pancreas and replace it? Yeah. You know, I may be still in Chrissy's Thunder, but she was telling me this story about that, that this, this girl had a heart transplant. And she started having dreams about murders. And she, they discovered that the person whose heart she got was murdered. Wow. Wow. We're just going to hear more crazy stories like this. Do you understand? Because more people are like, hey, this thing is connected. Yeah. Yeah. This is all connected somehow. I'm just figuring out some portions of the equation. Remember, I love how Bill says, if it's not working... Like the Bible says it should work, who adjusts? Maybe we got some fig trees hanging out, taking up space, no fruit. So your love and faith rise within you as you access the treasures of your inheritance. We know enough about the inheritance to know what all that is, right? Right? Only Phil knows. Okay. For the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as when you first heard it of our glorious hope. Now that you have believed in the truth of God. This is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere and powerfully changing hearts through the earth just like it's changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Who does that? So that what is the fruit? He says you're going to know them by their fruit. Yeah. We were just talking about a fig tree. It didn't have no fruit. Yeah. What is the fruit? The fruit is an attribute of love. Yeah. Remember, all the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Yeah. We changed our mind years ago about the fruits yeah. of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
It has all the attributes of love, of joy, peace, kindness, all that. But it's just the attributes of the one fruit of the Spirit. See, it's just like faith. We don't need a lot of different things. We just need to understand the things we have. I love this. It says, down in verse 9, it says, Our prayer is that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your life, making you a reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what did I just read in 1 Corinthians? He's getting rid of all the wisdom and the scholarly of the natural realm, the worldly realm, because the supernatural realm is superior. And so he's saying that, that there's a perfect knowledge of God's pleasure. That, that word means his desire. So see, since, since when you discover it about you, then that translates, I'll love my neighbor as I love myself. So then I know the knowledge of how he feels about me. And so now when I distribute that love to somebody else, it's from the confident knowledge of how I know him, how he feels about me. That's why he has to start with us first. It should be a wrestling match in us anymore to think about how he feels about us. Of course, there were people that told you different. Remember, two simultaneous things happened. You are born into the world and God breathes his purpose over you. You maybe didn't remember it. And then the enemy, bam, side by side, begins to attempt to what? Kill you, destroy you. Maim you, distract you, put something in your mind that makes you think you're no good, makes you think you're wrong. It's the same thing. It keeps revolving around and around. Because why? Because the people that are saying that over us, they don't know how to speak anything different. People speak what they legitimately see in the natural. And they call it what? They call it truth. These are facts. This is truth. And see, you're, what God's trying to do with your mind is he's trying to change your mind to believe that none of that was actually true. That was a person's opinion that had a history of experiences that proved that God wasn't real. If you'd been raised in a family where everybody was praying for everybody, they, they saw miracles every single day, did you know that that's this generation? See, the reason why you didn't have it before is because it wasn't time. See, we either get hung up, people get hung up on what they didn't have, or they, or they say, I'll be the drink. See, I, I woke up and I said, I'm going to learn how to be a bride. No one taught me how. No one said to me when I was a little girl, you're bright like Tisa. That's why you're so sensitive. That's why you see all these little things. No one said that to me. We didn't even have that term. So I don't, I'm not mad at my mom and dad that they didn't know. Why didn't you tell me I was bright like? We were just trying to eat. They came out of the deep, dark, great depression. Right? Every generation has a story and every generation has a revelation. 
See, this is the revelation that's going to usher in what? The great harvest. What is the great harvest? It's people dying to know truth, dying to experience supernatural power. So if I'm not equipped with supernatural faith, if I don't have intelligent faith, intellectual faith, my faith is meant to be smart. You should be the smartest person on the planet. No matter what you come up against, if you just ask the Holy Spirit, He has the answer. There's not a problem at work. There's not a person at work. There's not a problem at home. There's nothing that He doesn't have the answer for. It's just, if maybe I have a big old fig tree in the way. And all I can see is, why that thing getting fruit out of it? Some of us have been so tight. We've been, we've been getting some of that miracle grow putting on it. We've been pruning it, trying to breathe it. We bought this plant. <laughs> and it was, my when I grew up, my mom always had impatience. They were little flowers, and they had to be grown in the shade. They were not sun plants. Well, now they've come up with big birth impatience. I don't remember what they're called. They're called sun patients. They're bigger. They're twice as big. The little, and I got me a pink one. And man, I had him on the porch. I would, we, I told the girls, okay, now he, we got to take care of him. He just needs like an hour of sun every day. You know, we're back and forth. But lo, lo and behold, we have killed that thing. And I do not know how. I mean, it is dead, dead, dead. This morning I was looking at it. It has no flowers on it. It's just dead. And see, I want to, I was thinking to myself, maybe I could take a little portion of it and put it in a little cup and revitalize it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's a dead fig tree. Quit trying to resuscitate something that you were actually meant to curse the whole time. Making you reservoirs of all kinds of wisdom and understanding, right? This is what it says. Then, say then, Then. you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to His life, in maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in His fullness. Wow. Is there anything else you would ever want? To know God, the maker of all things in His fullness. Just like, here, fullness. It's just out there for you. Right? It says, And we pray that you would be energized, I read the scripture all the time, with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. This is the process of faith. That's all it is. I use my faith to do the things that are according to his will. That means removal of whatever. That means praying for whoever, however he wants me to because I love them. It means accessing goods from heaven. And I begin to have a story. I begin to have a story of what God has done. Not just a story, well, he just picked me up and pulled me out of that pit. I was barely making it though, just... I have enough money for rent. If you know anybody has rent money, I don't have enough money for that. Well, but I'm God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. All time. God is good. No one would want that. 
The people in the world have that. They want you to walk up to them and say, what's your problem? I can fix it. In the name of Jesus. And then they have a story. And we hit repeat. And so see, all of this is trying to come from inside you. That's why I can't have a bunch of dead fig trees laying around. I can't have a bunch of fake representations of the unauthentic laying around. There's not enough room in there. You're just so you just got so much room in there. Right? I love this verse 12. It says, and then your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. And he rescued you completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. Who's in the tyrannical rule of darkness right now? All kinds of people. When you come up against them and just think of this scripture. Wow, they're in some tyrannical darkness right now. That's why they're being a jerk. You know, we were, we had just gotten off the highway the other day at Western and that turnpike. And there was a person in front of us. It was really busy, you know, like it was bumper to bumper, landlocked, the whole bit. So we're just sitting there waiting our turn, right? And there's a person in front of us. The light turns green. I mean, it probably wasn't even two seconds. No, I only think the light was green. That's right. We're, they, there was two lanes that could turn left. That's what it was. The light wasn't green. Well, the first lane's just going, going, going because, you know, it's clear. But I looked down after the guy behind me is honking incessantly and screaming and pounding his hands on the steering wheel and going... And I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. And I look down, and the person in front of me is from out of town, from Minnesota. They don't know both lanes turn right on red. But the, the guy, I mean, no, he's not right, but he's back there, back, back. So, you know, he has to show how mad he is when we finally do turn. He's acting like we're just stopping him from all kinds of progress. Right? I mean, at least three seconds went by. Think of what we could have done in that three seconds. But I mean, I'm just looking at his face and he is so intense. I thought of this. He's in darkness. He's in darkness. Don't you want to just explain that to him? Like, hey, dude, like Minnesota people don't know. You know, you're in this big hurry. And they don't know both lanes turn. Don't you want to just get out? But you can't explain stuff like that to people like that. You just have to let them experience it over and over and over. Over and over. Just stand out of the way. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Anyway, it says, um, he's rescued us from that. And translate us into the kingdom realm. So please listen. This faith is meant to use, be used in the kingdom realm. Listen, it doesn't even take much faith 
for most of the stuff you're using your faith for. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take much awareness that you have faith. Yeah. Like I said the other day, you have some faith in your car, right? You know, remember what Shudi said the other day that her, when her mom was driving and she had the flat tire, she said, I know what to do. Yeah. That's what I want you to get to. Yeah. No matter what situation comes around, you say, I know what to do. So when you get a phone call or you get a piece of mail or you get an email, you know, know what to do. That, that's the key to faith. That's the key to us having the confident faith. See, when I use my faith on everything, like I said Wednesday, if I, well, a lot of us use, let's be honest, we use our faith on fear all the time. And that's not what he said faith was for. In fact, whenever they d- did act like they were afraid of stuff, remember the storm? He's like, man, what wimpy faith you have. Because the faith was to be used on the storm, not on the fear. See? All right, maybe you got it. Verse 16, it says, For in him he was created, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. In him. Did you get the word in him? Listen. All that's seen, all that's unseen. Every seat of power and realm of government and principality and authority all exists through him and for his purpose. See, you're trying to change the things that are not doing that for his purpose to doing it for his purpose. That's all this, that's all this life game is about. Because how many things... Can you have the awareness that you actually have authority over and you can change them to come underneath his authority? How many things can you do that with? And at the end of the day, he'll say, how many you got right? That's what he'll reward. He can't reward the things we didn't get right. That's why it doesn't make any sense to me why we wouldn't want to be challenged to change. Because we're just missing out on the reward. Now that we know the reward exists, do we agree on that? Yeah. Do you think that's a good plan? Yeah. I think that's God's really good plan. Yeah. I'm going to provide everything you need. <laughs> this, is, this is a great plan of God. I'm going to supply everything you need. I mean, like all the rent money you need, all the finances you need, all the gifts you need, all the faith you need, all the love you need, all the grace you need, all the mercy you need. And I'll just see how you do with those. And so I'll just give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for a whole lifetime of opportunities after opportunities. You called them problems, but opportunity after opportunity for you to exercise with all of this goodness that I actually implanted with you and I stored up in heaven with your name on it. You don't want to get to heaven and see this whole storehouse of pancreases you never used. Do you really? Do you want to get to heaven and say, you mean that was all up here? Faith and love access it. That means I can't be using it for my own purpose. That wouldn't be called love. That would be called self. Tisa self. I have to get rid of Tisa self. 
and I have to change her into a God self, I still have to participate. He says he existed before anything was made. Before you came. Before you had all these problems that you've got right now. He existed. But he decided in his sovereignty, it's my favorite word, in his sovereignty, that this was your time. It's your time to shine, baby. It's your time. One life. One life. One life. One life to figure out how to use this stuff he gave me on her on earth and make it look like heaven. One life. One chance. That means everything matters. Every second matters. Every day matters. Every thought matters. Every relationship matters. All these things matter. Because they're supposed to be made in, remade into its original design. I could read that scripture to you. We don't have time for that. Oh, it's right here. Verse 20. Since <laughs> so it's just a slide, slide down. And by the blood of his cross. This makes me really excited. Because see, I didn't have this written out. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to him. Back to its original intent. Restored to innocence again. Okay, so just think about those mean people. So I just think about the guy that was behind me screaming and yelling. Think about the man at the pickleball court the other day, right? He's not innocent again. He's under some tyrannical rule. So he is tormented. Because his original design, their original design wasn't to act like that. That's how I know. That fig tree's original design wasn't to act like it had fruit and it don't have none. So when I see them, then I'm like, huh, you're not acting anything like your original design. So then I either get a picture of their original design or I just speak to the behavior, how it affected self and how offended I was. Self was offended that she was acting that way and I just wanted to let you know about it. That just, that wasn't right, what you did to me right there, how you just got in line in front of me. How you honked at me. I'm offended. That's not the same thing. See, that's not. See, love is none of that matters what they're doing. You know, we had a guy that did some work for us and he told us how much it was going to be. And we were excited because we had just sold something and we had just like that exact amount. We were excited. So, you know, we made this big decision. It's not lots of money, but to have them do it. But then when he sent us the bill, it was more. And we were like, huh. And so I asked Pam, and we, were, she, we were talking about it, and he, she said, well, he told me that he decided that if it was a small job, he was just going to charge extra, but he forgot to tell me that part. Well, he will not charge us the extra part, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. And then she said, but his son just had a motorcycle wreck, and he's in the hospital. And I said, well, well then we'll pay the extra amount. You see, I could be offended we had an agreement. Wow. Wow. But my love kicked in. <laughs> Took over my body, my mouth. I said, I'll pay more. That ain't my money anyway. Which thing's kicking 
That means that's just all you got to ask yourself. Yeah. Are you more focused on, well, that's not what he said? Yeah. Or that's not what he said? That's yeah. not what he said. <laughs> yeah. I'm now, I'm thinking a way how we can help him. Well, how can we help him? His son, such a good worker. He's in the hospital. You know, I almost had the seat of judgment come in because it was a motorcycle wreck. And I wanted to say, why are we riding motorcycles? Oh, oh, the Holy Spirit kicked in again in the name of Jesus. It just happens that fast. It's two things right there, just operational all the time. Which one are you going to go with? If you're not careful, you'll be down on judgment row. And then you and then you pray. And he's like, mm, I can't hear. God can't hear that. Are you with me? Okay, y'all read the rest of that one because I don't have time for that one either. Colossians 1, right? Okay, read the rest of that. Okay, let's look at Galatians 5. I'm almost done. I know it's late, but we pray for people. Galatians 5, you there? Galatians 5. Okay, listen, this is so good. Y'all have to read all this too, all right? This is what he said right here. Demonstrate, I just told the story about it. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care for yourself and, your, and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. So he said, let me emphasize this. As you yield... Turn to your neighbor and say yield. yield. To the dynamic life I just read about in Colossians, power of the Holy Spirit. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Listen, you don't even have to focus on uh, trying to abandon cravings. I don't know if y'all know this. Everybody has them. I know, it's shocking. Even me. Everybody has them. Everybody has cravings of the self-life. Right? But if you yield to the dynamic, the power of the Holy Spirit, we just sang about the pneuma. If you yield to that spirit wind, then you don't have to focus on abandoning cravings. You know, some of them are normal. I mean, right now I'm hungry. And right now I'm thinking of a steak and I'm thinking of a baked potato and medium with some bread. But I'm probably going to have a salad. I mean, you know, my mom's been telling me I've been looking good up here because I've lost 22 pounds. And so so I'm like, okay, well, I want to be. Lynn sent me a text this morning and said, I think I want a donut. And I said, absolutely not. And then, Lynn, and then Mendel sent her a picture, picture with Satan's name on the donut. So, <laughs> see, right there, you know, you just... You gotta know what 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 lane are you in right now, right? We're not in donut lane right now. Right? So see, that's a self-life craving. So see, Lynn knows to reach out. I mean, she even she even tried to sell it to me. You know, I could adjust my calories, I could do this, you know. That's what we do. The self-life, it has an urge, it has a desire. Thank goodness there's Mendel who's quick to write Satan on them donuts because she knows they're just an oil-soaked sponge and nobody's gonna want those. When I first met Lynn, all she would say was apple spice. Eh, eh. That's what she'd say to me all the time about the apple spice donuts. So see, we're still after that self-life craving. It's never going to end. 
But it's my yielding. Because listen to this. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder Him from living free within you. Practice on the donut so you won't do them on the sickness. Practice on the ice cream so you won't do it in relationships. Practice on the little things so you won't do it on the big things. At the end of the day, your faith plus abiding in God's power, your constant abiding faith plus His power, that means crazy things will be done what? Through you. Come on, Mendel. What a good word. I'm practicing my constant abiding faith right now because I'm trying to figure out what these Holy Spirit puzzle pieces mean that he wants me to say. But I want to build my intellectual faith. So I'm going to practice right now and build and create an experience that I can remember later to be a part of my intellectual faith. So this verse stood out to me. Uh, One of the puzzle pieces is this verse that I heard. I I was listening to um, some scriptures the other night in Romans, and this one part just stood out to me that I keep going back to. And it's in uh, Romans 14, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified, but the Passion Translation is good too. And so Paul is talking here, and it's when he's talking about, well, do we eat the meat or not eat the meat, you know, if it offends people and all that. So the very last verse in Romans 14 says, but he who is uncertain about eating a particular thing is condemned if he eats it because he is not acting from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. And the Amplified in parentheses says, whatever is done with doubt is sinful. So that really jumped out at me. And so now we're talking about faith. And I was trying to think, you know, as I'm listening to Tisa's message and this intellectual faith, I was thinking about how I could apply this to myself. And, you know, one thing that Tisa's complimented me on is that I've done a lot of things, like I've made the right choice, even though I was afraid in the process of doing it in my life, or I had lots of stuff working against me, and I just did it anyways, you know, so, but there's a, and that can, that can be helpful, you know, that can, there's a time for that, but I feel the Holy Spirit saying that I personally have maybe taken some risks in life, and I've said, well, I'm acting in faith, but so let's say like when I, when I quit my job with my salaried position and all my benefits. So I said, well, I'm going to take a leap of faith, you know, and go into ministry. And so I did take a leap of faith, but I also, and if all on all honesty, I had some doubt mixed in there too. You know, I had a lot of fear mixed in there. And so I feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting today, you know, how many things are you doing that you say you call it faith, but you're really still not sure if God's going to come through. And that may be, you know, the process of building our faith, of building up that intellectual faith. Sometimes we have to take that first step and still do it afraid and do it even in the face of doubt. But the fact that this 
verse says that if we do anything in doubt, it's actually a sin, shows that we're not meant to stay there. In, in that maturity process, we're, we're meant to level up. So I know um, the Holy Spirit was highlighting for me last night. I should say the enemy was highlighting for me last night because I was on the same struggle bus as Tisa all weekend. And so all night long, the enemy was just tormenting me and trying to tell me all these things that were, were, were a bad setup in my life. You know, like my current living situation and all my decisions I've made and just how, how um, you know, basically it's all just going to blow up one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just telling me all these ways that I have, I've set things up in my life that were, were bad. And I'm, I just want to turn the tables on him right now because those are all areas that I have acted in faith. Like I said, those are all things that I said no because I want to worship him. I want to follow Jesus. I want to, I want to believe. I want to increase my faith, even though I have doubt. I want to increase my faith that he will provide. And so I, I will choose to leave that salaried position. I want to do this. I want to follow him. I want all of that. So this was, these were all things that were done in faith and it has, it is all worth it. And so it's just a lie of the enemy that those things in my life are bad because they're actually all places that I don't walk around in my life thinking I'm walking on dangerous ground every day. I don't live that way. I live feeling like I'm living the best life ever. Like this is the happiest I've ever been, the most joyful I've ever been, the most I'm seeing the most fruit in my life that I ever have. So that's my reality. And so those, all those places the enemy was trying to punk me last night are all places I'm actually living in faith in. Right? Yes. Yes. So let me bring in my other puzzle piece here. Early this, early this morning before I figured this out, and I was still, you know, you know, um, spinning from all of the punking from the night before, yeah, from the crazy bus ride, um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, just a stone's throw away. And so I'm like, well, what, what does that mean? And so I looked it up, and it turns out there's actually a verse in the Bible that actually uses that phrase, because I think of it as being, you know, like that, you know, that modern phrase, oh, it's just a stone's throw away. Well, there's actually a verse in, in the Bible, in uh, Luke 22, that talks, uses that phrase. And so I'm going to read, let's see, in the Amplified again, because that's where it's, it says, um, it's, it's Luke 22, and it's, the story starts in verse 39. It's when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, just a short, in verse 41, verse 41, he says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So I've, I've been looking at this, this story and trying to figure out how this could apply today. And it, it stood out to me that it says in verse 39, and he came out and went, and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, he said to them, pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. Now in the Passion Translation, it talks about, he says, keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith. So 
Now we know what's about to happen after this part in the story. So I'm not, let's not get into fear right now. I'm not talking about there being some horrible thing that's going to test your faith coming. We're applying this to what we're talking about today, the, the everyday things, right? So he tells them, keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith, which is temptation. So back to the Amplified. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me. Yet not my will, but always yours be done. Now an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. In the Passion Translation, it says that he prayed for an angel to come and strengthen him. And it says, in being in agony, um, almost to the point of death, he prayed more intently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not fall into temptation. And so he says it again. He t- so he starts off and says, pray. And then he comes back to them, finds them sleeping. And he says, don't you know you should be praying because there are tests of our faith. He says, pray at the front because there are tests of our faith. And then at the end, he says, don't you know you should be praying. And in the middle, when he is facing his own, you know, experience, he's having his own experience, he's praying for strength. For He prays for an angel to come and strengthen him. So the way I see this applying is those everyday things that the Holy Spirit, like I said, was highlighting to me that I've been doing some things and I've been calling it faith, but I'm really still acting with a measure of doubt. And so, which is sin. And so I feel like the, the fact that the disciples were sleeping because of their sorrow is those, emo- those emotions that we feel because of doubt and fear. So we, those make us tired, and sometimes in response to the doubt or that, that insecurity, we just lay down. We just say, I'll just ignore it, and I just want to go to sleep. You know, I just want to go to sleep. The contrast here is that Jesus stayed awake and prayed through it. Now, and so, and he told them, you pray, you pray, you need to pray to strengthen your faith. You need to pray to strengthen your faith. So I think he's just calling us into an experience here where we could look at the everyday things, like she said, that build our intellectual faith. So having enough money for your rent, paying your bills, physical issues, maybe it's a headache. You know, the things that we don't even, we decide not to even practice using our faith on, like a headache, well, I'll just take ibuprofen instead of praying, maybe something like that. All those things that we don't really step into He's saying those are opportunities for you to build your faith, build this intellectual faith. So pray through it. Don't just lay down with it and try to escape the tension of of what doubt is creating. But pray through it. Turn it into an opportunity to grow your intellectual faith. So, because we don't, we have, we're called to mature at this point in time, like we've been talking about, we're called, calling ourselves up higher to mature. So we don't want to operate with doubt because it is truly is just a sin. We want to operate in faith. So he's calling us to look a little closer at the things that we're doing in life that we are still operating with some doubt 
and he's wanting us to level up in those areas, turn it into a faith, a faith thing. So if you're worried about your rent and you say that, like Tisa demonstrated earlier, well, God is good all the time. God is good. But you really still just have doubt in your heart and you're just giving it lip service. Take that moment and start praying powerfully. Start declaring things over it. Don't just lay down with it at the end of the day. Those are the kind of moments I'm talking about. Pray to increase your faith. Declare over it. Testify what God's promised over your situation. Build up that moment and turn it into an intellectual faith-building experience. So, Papa, we just say thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for showing me what all these puzzle pieces mean. Thank you for bringing us such a powerful message today and showing us these these ways that we can level up. We want to be walking in the fullness of the experience you called us to and who you made us to be. So I thank you so much for the way you teach us. We just ask that you continue to rain down your teaching, rain on us, water the garden of our heart, water the garden of our heart. We want to be fruitful soil that grows beautiful things for you and beautiful, beautiful things for us to enjoy and beautiful fruit for other people. So thank you for teaching us and how we can apply this to our everyday life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just wash over this word that's been firmly planted in good soil in everyone's heart who's heard this message. So wash over it, protect it. We just ask the host of heaven to stand guard over it, to protect it, to go ahead and tear down and shred every enemy opposition that's already trying to come against it. We just say no to that. We say there will be nothing that can rob us from the fruit of this seed of this word. And so we thank you, Jesus, for all that you died to give us and all that you died to empower us with. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we declare it will be we will see it and it will be so in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay